Room for Two, Episode 3, but not Set 3. Welcome to Shroom for Two, the PVZ Heroes podcast. It is Wednesday, October 4th, and Set 3 is not out yet. I'm Mike. And I'm Taylor. Yeah, the Set 3 hype on Reddit was flying fast and loose this week, and, you know, provided it doesn't come out in the next day or two and make us look like chumps, uh, it seems to be that the rabble got it wrong. Well, my uncle works for PopCap, and he says it's coming real soon now. Well, I'll take his word for it. I got all my gems saved up and so on. The ladder is set. I've been playing a lot. I'm, I'm back up to rank 37 already, playing a lot of Beta Caratina. I uh, got some crap for my end-of-season pack. I got only two super rares, and one of them was a dupe. Bleh. I'm still at 30. My 10x hero this week is Solar Flare, and I'm trying to play like a control-y deck with tactical cuke and stuff, and so the games take a little bit longer, and I haven't really been playing a ton in the last day or so. Rank 30 after the ladder resets is just hell. Oh yeah, I mean, you're, you're playing against all the same people that you were playing against when you were in Ultimate League. It, it feels especially vicious for some reason. When, when, when the ladder reset, I immediately got my ass handed to me by, like, Brainstorm Trickster and that Miracle Rust Bolt. Miracle Rust Bolt? Uh, yeah, with, with going viral and uh, paparazzi and Zymbology Teacher. It's this crazy combo. Oh, okay. I haven't seen that. Sounds good, though. Is it also playing Trickster? Uh, it, it can, but it doesn't have to, which is really scary. Interesting. So, we got our first piece of listener mail, which is pretty cool, given that we've only recorded an hour and a half's worth of podcast, and someone thought it was worth his time to talk to us. We think that it's pretty sweet. Our email address is shroomfor2podcast at gmail.com. If you want to send us any listener mail, and uh, we got some mail from... A guy named Patrick Charlebois, I think, from Canada, who uh, says that he likes our podcast and has uh, some stuff to say about Espresso Fiesta, which we, or at least I, kind of trash-talked on our previous episode. And he thinks that it's pretty good to include as a two-of in various miracle Grow decks that they can kind of win the game out of nowhere by playing it on something that would otherwise just get killed and cause you to lose the game you can kind of win the game out of nowhere and i think that's pretty reasonable that was sort of your take on it last time mike yeah i'm i'm more of a plant food guy like i i used to be bigger on espresso fiesta before one of the block meter changes and now it feels like a little impotent like you're you're not really guaranteed to get all three of the blocks unless you have one of the like five plants with with uh with bullseye but yeah i it's it's expensive it's fine i like plant food better but uh, thank you so much for the listener mail, Patrick. It, it means a lot that we're actually getting real feedback and we're not just doing this into the ether and nobody hearing it. Yeah, that's right. And the, the feedback was good and not like, you guys suck, you should stop doing your show. I was a little too hard on Espresso Fiesta last time. I think I used the phrase worst card in the game, which is certainly not true. There are some crappy vanilla creatures, one mana, one ones that don't do anything that are probably worse than Espresso Fiesta. There's Turkey Rider. Yeah. Uh, what I really meant by that was that that's the sort of card that you're going to lose with it in your hand, unable to play it more often than it's going to win you the game. And so looking at that card, it's easy to go into kind of best case scenario mentality where you say, oh, my God, if I have a five power creature or I have an Astrocado or something 
I can deal 15 damage to their face by playing this card, I'll win immediately. Or, you know, I'll kill their thing and, and deal them 10. But really, the actual use cases of that card are much more limited. And I think that probably the number of games that you're going to win by casting Espresso Fiesta is probably pretty low. Even though it can get you out of a bad situation in a few circumstances, I think most of the time you're probably just going to end up losing the game anyway. They have to be pretty low, and they have to not block, and you have to have a thing alive. And so, you know, that's a pretty particular set of circumstances for you to be losing, and all those other things are true. And also not have a gravestone in the way of whatever you're trying to have attack. Right, exactly. That's That's been a really frustrating thing for me, trying to play around with Fiesta, just them seeing it coming and, and throwing a stone up in, in front. But once, uh, if Magnifying Grass gets dropped down to three, I might try the... Uh, the OTK Chomsilla again, where you drop that and then do 30 right away. That's always really satisfying to pull off. Yeah, and as we mentioned last time, you know, Pumpkin Boy, the one mana 4-2 that we're going to get around Halloween or something, is probably as good of a combo with that card as anything, because you can play it and Espresso Fiesta in the same turn and affect the board and so on. I wonder if you could do something with, like, Onion rings and sting bean in a in a grass knuckles deck, and then throw it in the water lane and attack for twelve bullseye. Yeah, I mean it's that that is the kind of cool thing about espresso fiesta. You know, you could say the same thing about cards like Pear Paradise, where when you look at it, you know, kind of the gears start to turn in your mind and say like, oh, well, how can I make this work? What kind of crazy combo can I do this with? You know, it's great to have those sorts of things in games because it really lets strong players sink their teeth into the game and it's a fun intellectual exercise and, you know, makes for fun daily puzzles, you know. But I think that as far as utility goes, like, for example, we're going to talk about uh, a miracle Grow deck today on our deck segment and I wouldn't want to put Espresso Fiesta in that deck even if it is going to, you know, win me win me 5% of the games that I would lose you know, with the synergy with other cards in the deck is more important. And I think that it, a card needs to be pretty good in your deck to not want to just capitalize on some other game plan you're doing, you know? And Espresso Fiesta just kind of it, it does its own thing and doesn't really help anything else out. I brought up Onion Rings because it's been on my mind lately because I just opened my fifth one. And <laughs> boy, let me tell you, the only thing worse than getting a fifth legendary is getting a fifth legendary of a card that didn't used to be a legendary. Looking at you, teleport. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's especially heinous for you because you're not even disenchanting your extra legendaries, right? It's true. I'm doing a crazy hoarding thing where I'm holding out hope that one day the legendaries will, will disenchant for more than a quarter of their value so I can put these extra Valkyries and mixed-up Gravediggers and Shield Crushers and, and the new teleport to, to better use because it... Not to make this a... Uh, wish we were playing Hearthstone instead every week, but Hearthstone with the latest expansion made it so you can't get duplicate legendaries from your packs anymore, and hey, EA, it might be a good idea to do that too, especially since there's so many legendaries in this game, and yeah. you know we, we can get four of all of them. Getting a duplicate one feels so much worse, and this might be like, you know, pay-to-win problems, but the... Uh, the more legendaries you collect, the the worse it feels when you get one you already have. Yeah, and I mean, I guess I guess the thing to hold out hope for is that they get nerfed and you can disenchant them for their full cost. Yeah, I don't I don't think we're going to be seeing another uh, widespread rarity change either. 
I think that was a, a one-time thing. Yeah, I'm kind of I'm kind of surprised they did that. Honestly, that's that's the sort of thing that you know they didn't really make anything less rare. You know, they kind of saw the good commons and good uncommons and bumped them up. Yeah, I I mean I can commend that consistency on a level like you know black ip is a really good card so making it rarer kind of reflects its quality more because i remember you know back in the in the old early vanilla Yu-Gi-Oh days some of the the uncommons and rares were just absolute garbage you would never put in any deck but at least there's some correlation between quality and rarity or at least they try really hard right i guess the thing that bugs me the most about that is that some of the good uncommon build around me's ended up getting bumped up to super rare. And so you had things like party time and cat lady and things that, you know, say include a bunch of other cards in your deck to work with me. That's the sort of thing that a new player can really say like, Oh, Hey, look, I'm building a deck that works and does stuff. But that's a lot harder now when, you know, a new player's only going to own one of them. So for our card of the week segment this week, uh, we're going to talk about Frady Cat. It's the event card this week. That's the one mana two two pet zombie. It says whenever a plant trick is played, get plus one plus one and move to a random lane. Welcome to October. Have a black cat. Yeah, there you go. So what do you think about this card, Mike? Well, I like pet decks. I remember building a, a pet deck smash really early on, and this works really well into that. It's cheap. It it grows. It, it does all those wonderful things. I guess I would play this instead of Dogwalker. Yeah, this is pretty comparable to Dogwalker. I'm not sure how much I love it as a, like, thing you play on turn one. If they play a creature of any kind or any number of, of ways to remove it, including, you know, Weed Whack or Sweet Pea or Banana Bomb or Berry Blast or Spike Weed. There's a lot of ways to get rid of this that you can do before playing tricks and growing it too big. Right. I like to look at what does this punish, you know? So turn one, Freddy Cat, what, what's good for my opponent to do? And clearly the best thing that your opponent can do is to play their draw two cards superpower if they're a Miracle Grow deck. You know, that doesn't affect the board, and instead they get attacked for a three on turn one, and they're unlikely to be able to play a three three to kill it on turn two. So that's cool. The As you pointed out, there are several removal spells, including several that cost one, that just kill this right away. So, you know, Sunburn, the Power Pummel, different things like that. And I mean, you know, being bad against your opponent's ultimate superpower, not too many cards are great against those, so that's not a huge knock against it. But I think it is important to think that this doesn't always grow. In fact, it probably only grow like less than half the time when you play it. I think I like this more as a follow-up to a turn one Cat Lady like turn one cat lady and then you play Freddy cat and maybe a camel crossing or something like that like that that'll mm. get your board in good shape or something to set off your zookeeper really early anything that cost one is is really nice and and fits really well in with pet decks right so looking at the pet cards they're you know mostly beastly but there's also a bunch of sneaky ones so that would make you think that brain freeze is the best hero for for building this kind of swarmy pet deck between like right. vacation inner tube ducky guy and yeah and he's real good got going but I I thought the smash had mo- more going for it than just camel crossing but camel crossing Scott is... don't forget turkey rider I would love to forget turkey rider yeah me too pet decks are certainly good and so a one mana pet is going to have a pretty 
a pretty high floor, you know what I mean? Even when it's at its worst, it's still going to be okay. And I think that really, if it's a choice between, for one man of pets, between Dog Walker, this card, and Inner Tube Ducky Boy, then, you know, you're probably going to play two of those. And if you are not sneaky, then your choice is made for you. And if you are sneaky, then you'll probably play Cat Lady and Ducky Guy. Or Chicken. Oh, right, the Chicken. Right, okay. So let's forget everything I said about that. So I think it's a good way to think about this is to sort of think of the difference between Dog Walker and the Chicken. So the Chicken runs away from blockers and Dog Walker hunts after them. And so if you want to protect stuff... Then you play you, then you play dog walker. But if you want to just kill them, then you play the chicken. And I think that this is, you know, just a chicken, but for the other kind of card. Right. So it runs away when they play a trick. And if there is a lot of early game tricking that happens on behalf of the plant hero, then maybe this is better than the chicken. But I think that that probably isn't really how plant decks play. The best good plant decks probably tend to fill the board with creatures. Yeah, there's there's not really a plant trickster equivalent where where any plant deck just loads up on on tricks other than like repeat moss, but by then you're already dead. Right, exactly. The uh, any one mana creature you play isn't going to be as relevant in that way. You know, so I guess this is good against like banana peel, but you're probably not playing banana peel on turn one anyway. If you drop it on turn one, it might interfere with how the plant hero wants to play if they don't have something to immediately trade with it. Most of the one-mana spells that a plant is going to play are going to be a removal spell that kills this thing. Also, Space Cowboy is a pet zombie, apparently, in case it didn't feel unfair enough already. Yeah. But I guess I guess this isn't a good card to play with, uh, with Space Cowboy because it randomly clogs a different lane in this way, so never mind. Yeah, but, you know, it's just being a—this is a uh, beastly card, right? Yeah. Yeah, just being a, be- a one-mana beastly card is a fine thing, too. Like, this is an okay— secret agent target you know like absolutely if, if this thing is a six six running out of the way then that's a lot more of a problem yeah that and a hover hover goat too it'll wear a buff from that pretty nicely that's true yeah yeah yes this is pretty good this is this is probably a four of in a deck that would play it oh yeah i'm i'm definitely gonna try and grind out four of them and and build a, a brain freeze or a smash pet deck and play around with that yeah i'm not the biggest fan of things that move to a random lane because of like especially with environments now where what lane you play something in matters a bit more right how often will this cat just end up wandering into its death and by by you know picking the wrong one in three chance or whatever sure yeah and also that that power becomes less relevant as the board fills up yeah and you know with a pet deck you're you're probably going to be clocking your lanes pretty fast but you know hopefully you'll have a zookeeper on the board to get it nice and big that goes to what I was saying about having a high floor. At minimum, a one-mana 2-2 two, two pet that's really a 3-2 and gives your cat lady, you know, plus three power is pretty good, even if it doesn't end up moving. Having the cat and the cat lady is both thematically appropriate, and I do like what they give each other because cat lady is pretty hard to get rid of without a trick. So you kind of have to pick your battle, you know, whether you want to get rid of the cat lady right in it right away and risk buffing the cat or take the cat out before it starts moving around and let the cat lady reset next turn. So funny story. Uh, last show, I was saying, oh, no, there's only a few days left in the season and I'm at rank 45. I better grind real hard to get all the way up to legendary. And I ended up hitting legend later that night. 
you bugged me while I was still editing and deleted. Like, oh, I'm 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 ultimate now. It's like, oh, by the way, I did it. And uh, honestly, I think I might have to revise my opinion of Go Nuts from the very first episode. I thought it was merely fine, and in fact, now it is totally insane. The Green Shadow deck you threw together here, it looks a little funky because it curves really low, but it I played around with a version of it. I don't have enough Captain Cucumbers, but it, it'll win you a lot of games. Yeah, I mean, Captain Cucumber is a card that's just so good you'll play it pretty much no matter what. But really, the the idea here is that you have the the smarty beans and then just have that in a good uh, green shadow miracle grow package and go nuts if you play a go nuts on turn three which is pretty easy to do i'm surprised at how many zombie players are still just playing a three mana creature on turn three and letting me play a go nuts and then on turn four letting me fill my board with crazy crap it can really take over the game and can win on turn five yeah, that's a nice little advantage that Green Shadow has by this, because if you think to look out for Gonuts decks, you're only looking at Citron and Beta Carotene, and with Green Shadow, you're thinking more about, you know, Click Peas and stuff like this, but throwing Gonuts in with a with a few of its smarty friends, yeah, there you go. When I mean, Lily of the Valley, which you're probably going to be playing anyway, does a very good job of protecting Gonuts, makes it survive the chickening. Uh, not that the chicken egg isn't still a total beating. I think that you should definitely be playing two chicken eggs if you're a crazy hero these days because the chicken egg can wipe 12 power off my board if I play, you know, a navy bean and a cosmic bean and a shellery or something like that. You know, that can get pretty crazy. It also gets you some nice fun, like, surprise lethal in that way where where the other player will think, okay, I can let that lane hit me and not die right away. And then right. you just go, you know, blam, blam, team up there and, you know, get an extra five strength or whatever and, and you know, win them with just that one lane hit. You know, especially that Sweet Potato can protect the Go Nuts and Laser Cattail plus Navy Bean in the water lane is like still a pretty hard hit just by itself. And given that they both get buffed by Go Nuts, suddenly the water lane can be coming at them for seven or eight. How does the, the Planet of the Grapes shape up as your, your only environment? Uh, I think it's good. If someone plays an environment that hurts me a lot, I'm really not going to be able to deal with it that well. But Planet of the Grapes plus Navy Bean is a tried and true way of making the game go long when it needs to or, you know, just sort of comboing them out with, with bean damage. I feel like I never have the hand size to make that work or I try playing it a couple turns too early. Like, I, I get that Planet of the Grapes can refill your hand if you if you combine it the right way, but I I, I haven't gotten that luck. I, I usually just put Flourish in mine and get the, the given two cards. Sure, certainly Flourish would be a fine replacement. I think Planet of the Grapes is is more of a backup plan. I think what you really want to be doing is just playing to the board and protecting one of your three most important creatures, you know, either a Captain Cucumber or a Go-Nuts or, to a lesser extent, a Black-Eyed Pea. If you can use the fact that the Go-Nut or that the, the team-up plants can can block effectively and, you know, that your good cards are going to have big butts, you can pretty much ride those individual threats to victory. It relies a, lo- a lot on Cucumber for, for any kind of, like, late-game big cards because there there isn't anything that costs more than three in this deck. Yeah, this is definitely... Def- an aggressive deck. Captain Cucumber, as I say, is just so good at just randomly winning you the game that it's it's hard to justify not playing it. But games that I lose where people are ramping out of Bad Moon Rising or, you know, playing a Nurse Gargantua or something crazy like that, this is definitely going to crumple to decks that go bigger than it. This can just go kind of remarkably big pretty quickly. And if all else fails, you got Click Piece in there, because why not? Yeah, I mean, again, that's the sort of thing that 
even if the various nerfs that I've seen going around would happen to click P, I would probably still play it in here because, you know, let's say that the nerf where the click P gets one more expensive every time, it's still pretty good to draw three mana, four, four click P. You're probably going to have a lane open for that. Most of your stuff has team up and you want to be stacking them up anyway, either because you want to block or you only want to increment their block meter once. And so chances are you're going to be able to, to still have room for one of your few cards like Captain Cuke or Black Eyed P that doesn't have team up. How often do you use things like Cosmic Bean or Shellery to just protect yourself from taking damage versus saving them for, for the big go-nuts rush? Because if you don't get go-nuts, you're, you're in a little bit of hot water. Yeah, Shellery less so. Like sometimes, like I never play Shellery on turn one unless there's like something really gross that I want to trade with. Zombology teacher. Yeah, Zombology teacher, or you know, if they play just a cat lady, then I'll play that to 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 chip two off of it, sort of thing. But Cosmic Bean is a pretty good chump blocker. You know, drawing a card, it's going to draw you another chump blocker at least. And you know, there are some pretty good, pretty good proactive beans to draw. You know, every once in a while it. It gives you a stinker, but on games where your hand is crappy enough to require you to just have your turn two play be a one one that you block with, um, drawing a card is what you want that blocker to do. Do you think there's room for so magic beans in here? Uh, maybe I only own one of those, and so I I don't really like to play it so much. But I think that um, that's the sort of thing that would run counter to the like just kill him as fast as possible thing if i was just really all in on navy bean then yeah that probably would be better than something like laser cattail just because the magic bean stalks are just so good but i think that since go nuts is my primary game plan i would rather just play a random team up creature if i didn't have laser cattail i would honestly probably play something like torchwood there are a few peas in here not a ton but there is enough and torchwood being a blocker is half of what those cards want to do I keep getting frustrated with Laser Cattail and taking it out for other things whenever I try and build a Go-Nuts deck. But I, I also only have one or two of them. Yeah, you know, it's it's reasonable. It's not like the best thing ever, but, you know, it's just, uh, worst comes to worst, it trades with Toxic Waste Imp. That's true. Yeah, so there's, there's uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven cards in here that trade with Toxic Waste Imp. Um, I count Sweet Potato because you're probably playing Sweet Potato in front of a thing that's going to deal two to Toxic Waste Imp. Um, but, you know, Toxic Waste Imp is the bane of everybody because it's so good. And you don't have burn spells in these in these factions, so you need something to do. And I think that uh, Sweet Pea, while being good for killing Toxic Waste Imp, is kind of not really good for doing anything else. And uh, Laser Cattail is... It kills Arm Wrestler. Yes, it does. The Sweet Pea does do that. Um, but that's, you know... That's the same sort That's of That's the idea. only other thing I can think of, so you still yeah. have a point. It kills Frady Cat. There are some pretty mediocre cards in here, like Shellery. I might even be going too deep on Go Nuts, and, you know, Shellery might be better as some proactive thing. But really, like, playing a random creature and a Shellery into the heights with a Lily of the Valley active, that's pretty giant anyway. And so just being able to have a proactive big thing that gets buffed by Lily of the Valley no matter what else is in the heights lane... That I think is probably worth playing. Are you, you going to be okay when when Admiral Navy Bean gets a team up removed from it? Oh, that'll be a real bummer. If it does get team up removed from it, then then this deck is probably going to be crappy. Being able to hide two beans in the water lane to sort of protect them there. Being able to put two Navy Beans on a Planet of the Grapes. That's really how you can you can combo them out. And uh, if Admiral Navy Bean does get team up removed from it, I think that this deck honestly probably wouldn't even exist. 
you'd be better off doing the Guardian thing. Is that really something that's going to happen? Is that like on the list of proposed nerfs? It was on one of the change lists I saw, and it does kind of make sense. They're going to keep making cool bean cards. If something in the bean world is going to get nerfed, that might be it, because having having two of them in a water lane, especially against like Rustbolt, is that, that adds up real fast. Ben Brode, the lead designer of Hearthstone, has said that some of their biggest nerf decisions have been the ones that restrict their future design space, and... Bean is, it's a supported tribe that they're going to want to keep making more of so that, you know, your bean deck continues to get better. And if it's already too good, or at least that it's hard to make new beans without it becoming too good, then they really don't have a choice. I guess they can make it cost two. Or they get half the damage, but that, that seems like a little too harsh because things that do one damage and hit the block meter are like almost beneficiary for your opponent. Well, I would probably still play it in that case, just because if they have no block meter, then they don't block your giant attack. And if you have to chip away beforehand, then you can probably survive a couple superpowers. Playing like turn one, make two backup dancers or make two button mushrooms, that's like fine. Chewing through their block meter to, you know, let your big creatures that come later not get blocked is, I think, a pretty okay thing to do. I feel like most of my games end before either block meter gets exhausted. Honestly, I've, I find that the block meter goes to zero all the time. Oh, uh, embrace debate. Let us know what you think, listeners. Yeah, exactly. That's the sort of thing that would be a good like listener mail discussion. How often do you just play button mushrooms or backup dancers on turn one without any support? No counting things like Quasar or, or Last Resort for, for feeding cheap bodies to it. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, you know, if how often do you play the, the spells that make tokens just for the purposes of chewing through the block meter? Um, I feel like there was one other thing I wanted to point out about this deck, but I can't remember what it is yet. Is it that I'm a filthy casual for playing a Green Shadow Click P deck? No, I'll let the commenters say that to you. Oh, okay. Well, that's all we got for you for episode three of Shroom for Two, and we would just like to thank all of our listeners out there to our joining us as we come into our own as a podcast. We're still figuring things out, of course, but the, the feedback we've gotten so far has been great, and if you would like to join our, our brand new listener mail segment, the best way to reach us is emailing shroomfor2podcast at gmail.com. And that's that's all just spelled out. Yeah, no numbers or anything. And we'd like to hear your thoughts on event cards, thoughts on decks you'd like us to talk about, poorly sourced release dates for set three. We're always into hearing more of those. And uh, yeah, just kind of anything that you'd like us to know, uh, given that you're fans of this game just like we are. Uh, we're, we're also now on iTunes, apparently. So if you want to go over there and check us out and rate us, that would be real cool. Yeah, we're sorry about our, uh, our lame show art. That show art is uh, thrown together by me on my phone. There is better art in the pipeline, we promise, and it will yeah. it will look cool and swell and locally sourced and commissioned. We've actually been on iTunes uh, since the show started, but we haven't really talked about it because, you know, we don't want to say, hey, guys, go leave us a review on iTunes. And then, you know, you say one star. Their art looks like someone did it on his phone. Well, I did the art on my phone, so I'm, I'm sorry about that. Like I was saying before, we, we value your feedback and we want to hear anything that you have to say. And the art will be better soon i promise and until next time i'm mike and i'm taylor